My fellow Americans, are you tired of the new normal? Are you tired of the lies? Election fraud. You know the thing that the mainstream media and big tech says doesn't exist? It is time to end it. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Many of you are sitting here because you're wanting to know what the plan is. This has to be peaceful. We have the right to peacefully assemble. The solution has been in front of us all along. Ask God if you should step into the gap and become a part of the plan. The plan is simple. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are the plan. If you're waiting for others to do the work for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. We are Conservative Daily. Welcome back, everybody. To can you the... hear me? Yes. Okay, I changed my... I, we tested her sound, and then I went and put in headphones, so I was worried that it was going to screw it up. Oh, hey, my goodness. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. I almost said to the Tucker Carlson show. But... <laughs> <laughs> welcome Without back. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah, welcome back to Conservative Daily, everybody. Uh, glorious Thursday, joy, joyous Thursday to all of you. Uh, Friday Eve. Friday Eve. <laughs> Uh, so Ash, yes, almost, we are almost to fun Friday and my goodness, I need it. And you might too, if any of you watched the, uh, show that I was on with CanCon last night with Alpha Warrior and man, is that a doozy? Let me tell you guys, there are very few things that really get me and, and piss me off after the last couple of years. But this one was a little bit nuts. And I know, Ash, you didn't see it yet. I didn't. I was off butchering a pig yesterday, and that's not a euphemism. We were actually butchering <laughs> a pig. My, I was talking to someone else. They said, is butchering a pig a euphemism? No. We were taking <laughs> a whole pig and breaking it down into cuts and filling into the freezer. Pigs. So you into broke it smaller, down into smaller into, pigs. Yeah. That's, how, that's where pork comes from. <laughs> I'm glad I know that um, now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so you guys, it was actually really nuts. I want to talk about it just for a couple minutes because you really need to check it out. If any of you yourself or you know anyone in your life need any evidence that the FBI and our intelligence agencies and everything about our Department of Justice is completely weaponized against the American people, my goodness, all you need is to check out that show. This man, Alfredo, otherwise known as Alpha Warrior, was arrested in January after J6, you know, the insurrection that never was. And this man, unbelievable. So I want you to understand who this man is. And you need, you truly, like, nothing I'm going to say here replaces you watching the entire thing. So everyone who's listening, it, we shared the links. They're on all of our socials. You can go to CanCon. Uh, to his and Rumble channel from last Ash. night. I'll go watch it today as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really, you need to watch the entire thing. It was a little bit of a longer one, but it is worth it to listen to the entire thing. So this man is a combat veteran, a Marine who served in combat, served his country. 
he is a law enforcement uh was in law enforcement for i think 14 years if i remember correctly experience in you know in SWAT raids expert in writing uh warrants highly highly decorated he literally has a commendation from comey wow so they show up to his house zero contact before this incident occurs this is on january 15th they show up to his house and guess how they show up to his house of course five in the morning so they do a raid they show up with 30 agents in several vehicles including a a turret mounted vehicle they flashbang the outside of his house. So they Roger stoned him? They more than Roger stoned him, but yeah, I would say this was worse than Roger Stone. Um, yeah, and, and if, it if was all over a tweet. If somebody hasn't seen this before, so I had a friend, this was like 2008, nine, something like that. Um, her husband, ex-husband now was a prosecuted and, and convicted of white collar crime. But at the point that they came to arrest him, it's unbelievably scary and intimidating. She was in the hospital getting an ultrasound because she was pregnant. So she asked me to go over and get her kids. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm not going to see the FBI by myself. You can come with me. It was like you said, 30 vehicles, loads of mounted weapons on the vehicles, cars, uh, SUVs filled with weapons. Um, and we're talking at that point, you know, for that, we were talking about a wire fraud charge. It was wire, wire fraud. It was a insurance scam and he was convicted. Um, but here we're talking about tweets. He <laughs> right? wasn't we're talking about tweets guys, and they show up in force for tweets. This is weaponized law enforcement. He wasn't even in DC. He was never even there. And like, so I'm going to say this and that's going to sound crazy. It, it gets so, so, so much worse. So you guys, I'm not going to spoil all of it uh, because you, you just need to watch it. But this was, so, I got so mad. I was honestly fighting throwing things while I was listening to Alfredo's story. So you need to go listen to that entire thing. Did you succeed in fighting or did you throw a few things? I'm, I actually did throw a few things, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had to yeah. throw something twice. It, it really. That it, is, yeah. for the audience, that is me uh explaining apollo's narrative to you him fighting throwing things means he he threw a couple things um and the reason i think for the weaponized law enforcement is because they're losing right they're losing the narrative the american people are no longer with them and so they have to ramp it up right propaganda only works until it doesn't and then they have to use force read a history book yep and uh the 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 thing that really got me in this in this whole endeavor is number one when uh you know when you understand you listen more to who alfredo is and his background how they approach the situation and then as it unfolded like they turned it up to 10 at every step of this everything completely violating everything about the laws of our country none of it with any justification uh and it, it's so, th this one story so perfectly characterizes how deceitful and disgraceful and traitorous the FBI is and how far that they will go to, perse to persecute Americans. And this was truly over speech. They, it, they tried to link it to January 6th.
and it, it was truly over over speech. This this was, uh, I mean, it, in some ways, this is worse than what they did to Trump when when he first started coming out. It was, it's really really awful. So, ev- literally every single one of you needs to go watch this. I, I don't say that very often. There there are some things that is really good information. Everyone needs to watch this. So please go do that. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely. I'm definitely going to go watch it. I was, uh, I was sold yesterday when, uh, when Brian was talking about it on the air. Um, and if our audience isn't yet following, uh, CanCon on rumble on locals, uh, Substack, all of it, uh, you need to be, he's a, a great friend of the show, conservative daily contributor, and he is absolutely the best investigative journalist that I know. Yeah. And he, he told me, he's like, this one's going to get you. And I said, okay. And I didn't really accept it. And then I was talking with him after the show with him and Alfredo. He was like, did I tell you? He was right. Yeah. It, it really so is. So everybody a, needs to, uh, in the chat, first of all, smash the rumble, hit the rumble button, um, hit the whatever like button on whatever platform that you're watching. It helps us with the algorithm. But also tell us in the chat, what do you think Apollo threw? Excellent question. You won't know. One of them, <laughs> none of you will know unless you guess it. The one, some of you might, but only if you saw the live stream from last night. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So I want to talk about the narrative today because um, it's they're losing it. They're losing the narrative. So and I think that this this story that you teed us off with, right, about weaponized law enforcement coming after somebody over speech, over tweets, right? You have 30 cars and and, you know, automatic weaponry, mounted weaponry, banging on the door, five o'clock in the morning, coming at your house over speech. That is, I believe, absolutely because they're losing the narrative. And we've talked a lot about this Siena poll that came out of New York Times this week, talking specifically about how 17% of Americans believe that election denialism and Republicans and Trump are the greatest threat to democracy. 68% think that it's government corruption. 68% say it is that the government is no longer representing the people. That is the biggest threat that we face. That should be, you know, the, the top story everywhere. And I'm really interested to see how they start to shift their narrative, um, you know, in, re- in reaction to those results. Because if you read the reporting, and I actually signed up for the New York Times so I could read what they're saying about their own poll. Um, I'm going to make Joe pay for it, but, uh, but uh, I did actually last hard, year, I did hard la- for me to give them money. <laughs> I did last year um, too. And I forgot and it like charged me again the next month. And then I was thinking about, it and I just emailed them back. I was like, I can't do yeah. this anymore. Yeah. It's real. It's real hard. But this, uh, to see how they're reacting to the data, right? I'm personally very surprised that they published this data because it destroys their narrative. And we're going to get into the election denialism part of it um, a little bit later in the show, which we haven't covered as much as the overall, you know, the, the, the New York Times thinks that people like us, like me and Apollo and Joe and CanCon, that we are the greatest threat to uh, our democracy. Um, but the American people, the voter base at large, and again, this is not Rasmussen, right? Um, which they say is, is, is crooked. Although I would argue that the New York times results actually align to Rasmussen. So they're kind of 
um, they're kind of proving out that that Rasmussen polling is is spot on. Um, this is the New York Times. This is the New York Times that is like, I don't understand. <laughs> Why is it that that 68% of America, and I agree with what Joe said on the show yesterday, it's probably closer to 90 because again, we're talking about the New York Times. And so we're talking about the 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 narrative, the, the place where the narrative is generated, right? I mean, this is the the mainstream fairy tales of the New York Times, as Joe talked about yesterday. They, you know, spun the story about Eric Coomer, they spun the story about Konek, and then super embarrassingly had to roll it back. But they're still trying to um they're still trying to carry this narrative and that is i think one of the most interesting and amazing things is that they're continuing to double down on this uh on this narrative that you know election denialism but that's amid stories that are blowing up in their faces like this la city council story that we covered i think last week or the week before right so this la city council story they're caught on a hot mic being super racist about a white guy and his black son, comparing the son to a monkey, saying horrible things. Um, and uh, I wanna talk a little bit about the narrative around that. So let's just refresh people's memory if we could and uh, play A0, please. It's like the oddest thing, it's like black and brown on this float, and then there's this, this white guy with this little black kid who's misbehaved. Este niño has no, he's, they're not doing yeah, no, they're not doing the kid is bouncing off the effing walls on the floor, practically tipping it over. There's nothing you can do to control him. They're raising him like a little white kid, which I was like, this kid is a beat down. Like, let me, let me take him around the corner and then I'll bring him back. There's a lot to unpack in there and believe it or not, it got even worse. Elodian Martinez called the child a Spanish term meaning animal, <laughs> but she also mocked Oaxacans and implied that LA County's progressive district attorney, George Gasson, shouldn't be supported saying, quote, F that guy, he's with the blacks. So one of the things that I find most surprising is that they're surprised by this. They've created, the, the establishment has created this world and where race, gender, sexuality is the most important criteria, right? It is the number one topic. It is, it is determinative about what stories get covered. Right, you see a uh, uh, white police officers murder a black man. That's wall-to-wall -wall coverage. But if white police officers murder a white man, that's just another day, right? They've created this world and this narrative. But this is, you know, they've they've created the the, the racial division, and now it's smacking them in the face because the perpetrators in this are not white, right? The perpetrators are brown, and the the um, target is white and his and his black son. Um, and so I want to go back really quickly before we talk about the, the new uh, narrative they're pushing about the story. I just want to recap for everybody what uh, Chris, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre said when she was asked about this during the, the White House press conference. And we're going to talk about Corrine today because I've, uh, I've had it here with this woman. Um, so she said, quote, look, the president is glad to see that when she's talking about the LA City Council, 
The president is glad to see that one of the participants in this conversation has resigned, but they all should. He believes that they should all resign. And here's the difference between Democrats and MAGA Republicans, right? So pause. I'm going to pause there. The, the question was, what does the president have to say about this scandal? And her answer is, well, it was bad and they should resign. But what you really need to look at is MAGA Republicans because she's not allowed to campaign from the podium or something. Um, what you really, and here's the difference between Democrats and MAGA Republicans. When a Democrat says something racist or anti-Semitic, we would, we hold them, we hold Democrats accountable. When a MAGA Republican says something racist or anti-Semitic, they are embraced by cheering crowds and become celebrated and sought after endorsements. Senator Tuberville, let's not forget this just happened, saying black people commit crimes. Doug Mastriano attacking his opponent in Pennsylvania, governor's race for sending his children to a Jewish day school. I'll quote the president right now, quote, hate never goes away, it only hides, but lately it's just one in the, one in the open at these extreme MAGA rallies. It's just out, pardon me, it's just out in the open at these extreme MAGA rallies, end quote. And so when asked about this, the White House was, oh, it's bad, and they're resigning, and we think they should resign, but really MAGA Republicans are the most racist people in the entire world. And so now there's a new story. This is the reason we're bringing this up, is there's a new story coming out about, about this scandal. Um, let's throw up uh, A1 here. So LA... <laughs> New York Times, again, where the narrative is created <laughs> at the New York Times. In Los Angeles, politics are more complex than a racist recording indicates. Recently, leaked audio of Latino leaders exposed their ambition to gain power, but loyalties don't always follow racial lines in the city's most Latino district. So think about like We're just going to pause on the headline here for a second. Is it only in Los Angeles that politics are more complex than race? This episode of Conservative Daily is brought to you by DCF Guns. They're not just a supporter and a partner of the show. They're an organization that is on the front line of promoting safe and responsible gun ownership. Along with being a staunch defender of the Second Amendment, they have a lot of different things inside of their three ranges and stores. So they have a gunsmith at every location. They have the ability to do massive amounts of training, uh, anything from beginners all the way up to uh, competitive shooting. Um, they're also the best gun store in Colorado. Uh, between a mar massive arsenal of top-tier firearms, competitive pricing on ammunition, they're a go-to resource for newcomers and expert shooters alike. Memberships there start for as little as $25 a month and offer an arsenal of benefits beyond that, such as store-wide discounts and special access to training. Even better, what you're seeing right now is DCF Guns also has an e-commerce option, meaning you can take advantage of the awesome prices without leaving your home. Just visit dcfguns.co and start browsing. I do want to tell you that as a listener of conservative-daily.com, you get an additional 5% off everything in the store. You have to use discount code Joe. That's J-O-E. That's discount code Joe. Go to dcfguns.co and use discount code Joe. J-O-E. That's me. Or it's coffee, cup of Joe. Um, but you can go there and save an additional 5% off every single thing on the site. Um, as always, we'll keep the range hot and the deals hotter only at DCF Guns in Castle Rock and Colorado Springs and now online available to everyone across the entire country.
Apollo, your thoughts? <laughs> no, Ash. It is, in fact, everywhere, always, <laughs> on the entire planet Earth, that politics is more complex than race. And I find right. it hilarious, just real quickly, that uh, <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> that they're surprised. Number one, when you make the bar for being declared a racist or committing some sort of racist act so low as they have done just to catch anyone that you that you want, you know, who may be a political opponent in any sort of behavior, when you just make things up and try to classify anything as race, you shouldn't be surprised that you get caught up on it at some point because, you know, you've lowered the bar below the, below the ground. It's now in the sub-basement. And you're being surprised that you get tripped up digging. in something. Uh, but, you know, it's also you shouldn't be surprised when you actually are the racists, you, when you're exactly the thing that you're accusing your opponents of. And then you get caught up in your own game because you've been trying to deflect from the fact that you are the racist pieces of garbage who simply want to manipulate people and throw around all these terms so that, you know, you can divide us uh, and, you know, herd the, the cattle so to speak, that you believe the American voters truly are, should well, not again, surprise they've created you. This, right? They've created this world. They've made everything about race, right? I mean, we're going to talk about KJP today. Her opening, um, you know, when she took over from Jen Psaki and her, uh, her opening, <laughs> we played it on the show, opening super articulate was all about how she's black and gay. Right. Like not I've worked my butt off to get to this spot. I understand, you know, the politics that we're dealing with. I've done, you know, X, Y and Z to credentialize myself for this role. No merit. It's just that it's barrier breaking because she's black and gay. And I have no problem with 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 race or gender of any sort. I'm, you know, a, a differ from I think even even you and Joe on some policies when it comes to uh you know libertarian the more libertarian angle of of things as long as you're not messing with kids you know i don't think it's anybody else's business right what what you do what your um what your choices are what how you're born whatever whatever the narrative is this week on uh on gender and and whatnot um but they've created this and now they're trying to unwind it and i find it really interesting that this it's in, in LA, so hey, everybody, politics is, is totally about race and, and immutable characteristics. Except in LA, it's more complicated than that. What? So it's not more complicated than race in Atlanta or in Chicago or in New York or Certainly in Denver? Certainly not in Denver. Certainly not in, in the Denver. Suburbs are in the rural communities that have heavy Hispanic populations. It's not more complicated than race there, only in LA. This is absolute nonsense, but we would expect nothing less from the New York Times. So let's go into A2 here. Once synonymous with black culture, South Los Angeles has undergone a dramatic sh demographic shift. There is Catholic mass in Spanish at the theater where Duke Ellington once headlined. In the halls of Thomas Jefferson High School, who's Famous black alumni included Alvin Ailey and Dexter Gordon. Roughly nine in 10 students are Hispanic. On historic Central Avenue, ranchero music blares from the grocery stores. But in the city's ninth district, which encompasses the stretch of Los Ange Angeles, once known as South Central, 
one element haven't changed. Voters have chosen black candidates to be city council members for nearly six decades, including their current councilman, Curran Price. On a leaked recording this month, four Latino leaders were heard discussing how to redraw political districts to their benefit using racist terms and disparaging words that were widely condemned. The audio also exposed frustrations that there weren't more Latinos in elected office at a time when they once at a time when they comprise half the city's population. So we're just talking about representative leadership here, guys. Um, a three on a, uh, oh, we just, yeah, sorry, sorry, there's two cuts in there of the same part. Um, so what, what is the New York Times trying to do with this narrative? Well, it's an election year. They're trying to let the, the LA city council off the hook by saying this is really just about complex demographic, uh, conditions on the ground. It's not racist, I guess. Um, Well, I love it's rare that I'm speechless, but seriously, this is uh, this this idea that there's more nuance in L.A. than there is in the rest of the country when it comes to race uh, just shows the the depth of their commitment to this narrative, I would say. Well, and you just look, I mean, just this last sentence, you guys, the audio exposed frustrations. There were more Latinos and elected off. So all of a sudden. Something which you could actually, I believe, call reprehensible. Absolutely. Is now, now all of a sudden you can you can explain that with its frustrations being expressed by a community, and most ironically, for something related to representative government, right? So how about January 6th? Do you want to try that one? How about MAGA, the extreme the extreme uh, you know, political evil? that the New York Times and all the mainstream media continues to harp on, continues to uh, double down, continues to push as one of the greatest threats. Going back to that New York Times poll, the same thing that now almost all of America is no longer real concerned with, because what? They're concerned with corruption in government, and they're concerned with the government serving the elites and not the people. So they have an actual display of racism, and the Democrats of the New York Times will say, they're just frustrated. Just like yeah. BLM, they're just frustrated. Let them destroy the cities. Meanwhile, millions of people show up in January 6th because our government is not representative, because they stole an election, because all of these absolute demons in Congress have been selling us out and lying about everything, persecuting mothers, persecuting patriots, and now all of a sudden, this is the time where, where they, get to, they get to say, well, they're just expressing frustrations? Not the millions of Americans who were banned off of social media, 800 plus who have been arrested for committing no crimes on January, almost no crimes on January 6th. You know, the, the violent people who showed up with weapons, yet the FBI failed to, to prosecute a single gun charge. But here, this is, the, this is the level of expression of frustration that's acceptable now. Yeah, the unarmed insurrection. Uh, I... Yeah, and, and the, the what the New York Times is also doing here is basically saying it's a it, you know being being frustration being frustrated at your representation in government is if you're a minority group 
it's okay to be racist in those moments. It's okay to say deplorable things. And I agree with you. This was reprehensible. They're talking about a little boy who was on a float, right? Now I have, I have three sons. Uh, they were all small at one point. They're massive now. Um, but they were all small at one point and being on a float in a parade would be so exciting for a little boy and he was excited and he was bouncing around and she says he needs, first of all, she compares him to an animal. She compares him to a monkey, a little black boy. And then she says she wants to take him behind the building and beat the crap out of him. And that is because she's frustrated at her representation in government. Do you see the double standard? Now, I don't think that any of us should go out there and start uh, you know, making reprehensible comments like this. I hate this. I hate everything about this. I think that the, the racial division in our country, as somebody who grew up in Atlanta in the 80s and 90s, I think that what they're doing, and by they, I mean the establishment, I mean the Uniparty, I mean the, their media lapdogs, I mean what they're teaching in the universities, I mean the, the establishment that we are fighting, not left and right, not Democrats, the establishment, Uniparty establishment cartel that we are fighting, um, it, this is reprehensible, but they've created this just so that they can have these narratives against Republicans, MAGA Republicans, as KJP said, right? And against white people. But when, when the same type of behavior that, again, they've created this environment that gives birth to this kind of rhetoric, when the same, uh, you know, when, when their protected groups do the same thing, the New York Times steps in to explain it away and say, oh, it's, it's really nuanced because it's about representative government. It's all about representative government. This, was the, same, th this government. Is the same thing they did to Trump, except now you see the opposite reaction when he was referring to MS-13 and people who were coming over and murdering and dismembering people and raping women and children. And he said, uh, you know, these people are like animals or something to that effect. And they started going out saying he called all Mexicans uh, subhumans. And they ran that narrative for months. And it was all yeah, based on a lie. It. it was a complete they'll lie. They yeah, they will still run with that today. And you right. have a very clear case of it in something that's remarkably uh, lower profile. And you see exactly how quickly that they are to, to pair. These people are lying pieces of garbage. This is, I mean, this is just right. pathetic. This is pathetic, truly. Right. This should is be the same as very fine people in Charlottesville, right? There were very fine people on both sides. Oh my gosh, he just called white supremacists. No, in the next breath, he said, not the white supremacists and neo-Nazis, they should be condemned totally. But they cut that part out of the statement. And there's probably a significant portion of America who still believe that he called white supremacists very fine people. When he corrected it in that statement, and they continue to run with that narrative. So we see the narrative, uh, we, we can see it now. And that's, a, that's a, a benefit to us because more and more people are awake and they can say, hey, I'm being manipulated in the language that's being presented to me. Let's actually pay attention to it and break it down. And so that's what we're gonna do. Um, that's what we're gonna do today. We are going to, so last night I published an article um, entitled It Matters, that KJP uh, is campaigning from the podium. She continues to invoke the Hatch Act. We, we mentioned the Just the News article on this uh, the other day 
that she keeps saying, oh, I can't answer your question because I'm restricted by the Hatch Act. Um, but then she, uh, she starts campaigning from the podium. So we're <laughs> going to break down what, the, what this is. I, I did uh, the article on this, put up B1, if you will. Uh, so this is the piece. Um, let's roll over to, uh, to D2. Thank you. Um, okay, so what is the Hatch Act? Let's first look at what constitutes a violation of the Hatch Act. According to the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, this law, quote, restricts the political activities of, ind- of activity of individuals principally employed by the federal government. Specifically, federal employees may not, quote, and this is from the office, the U.S. Office of Special Counsel during the Biden administration. I pulled it yesterday. Quote, engage in political activity, i.e., activity directed at the success or failure of a political party. Keep that one in mind. It's important. Candidate for partisan political office or a partisan political group while the employee is on duty in any federal room or building while wearing a uniform or official insignia or using any federally owned or leased vehicle. So key in there, political activity is here defined as Activity directed at the success or failure of a political party candidate or group, right? So when we're talking about political party, uh, success or failure of the Republicans is restricted activity, a code, uh, you know, calling it out uh, is restricted activity according to the Hatch Act. Now, they go further and make, make sure that people understand that this is not about personal political opinions. Hatch Act does not prohibit employees at any time, including when they are at work or on duty, from expressing their personal opinions about issues, even if politically charged, such as healthcare reform, gun control, or abortion, because such expressions do not constitute political activity. However, such expressions would constitute political activity if tied to candidates or political parties. So I think that's... Yeah. So KJP, you can pull that down. So KJP does a great job of, of, of recognizing the Hatch Act when it comes to candidates, right? She doesn't openly endorse candidates. She doesn't uh, go out there and do that. But we're going to play some of her language here because I want you guys to, based on the, the, the definition that we just gave of the Hatch Act, right? The definition according to the U.S. Office of Special Counsel yesterday, was up on their website yesterday. So this isn't like Trump's definition of, of the Hatch Act. This is what is currently up there now. Let's go ahead and, and play the first KJP cut. If there, if there are enough votes in Congress, the first piece of legislation the president is going to sign or he will send to the, to the Hill, I should say, next year in the, new, in the new Congress, will once again make Roe the law of the land. And he will sign it into law around the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Okay, so what does if there are enough votes in Congress mean? Well, somebody asked her about it, which is great. So let's play the next one. This is funny. <laughs> I'm trying to get specific. How many more votes does the president think he needs in the Senate? to codify Rose. Is it 51, 52? I'm not going to get ahead of, uh, of this election or talk about uh, this election. So I'm going to, this was a political speech and not going to weigh into uh, any specific numbers. You, you did say if there are enough votes in Congress, the president would, would send the, as his first bill in the 118th Congress, a bill to codify Roe. You can't say how many is enough? No, I can't. If, if the 
country sends to Congress <laughs> a House and Senate that are not interested in codifying Roe or busting the filibuster to do so, what is the president's top legislative priority in that case? If it's, say that one more time. So if let's, it's let's say the House and Senate uh, do not fall into Repub Democrat hands, let's let's say that Republicans take the House, what would be the first bill the President sends to Congress? Well, that's a lot of hypotheticals. Let's, let's first, let's first get, <laughs> let me get, but, <laughs> I know we're all talking about hypotheticals, but I've also said I'm going to be very careful about what I say from here, so I've also led with that as well, uh, but that is like, a, that is a different type of hypothetical that I'm just not going to. So different type it's of really hypothetical, not. different type of hypothetical than the hypothetical she just gave in the previous yeah, statement before this question? Yeah, it's not a different different hypothetical, right? She raised up a hypothetical. And, and the first cut was her written comments. This was not KJP off the cuff. She was reading a statement. And the monologue for that press briefing, that was Tuesday's pre press briefing, the monologue was all about abortion, right? And you heard her. If there are enough votes in Congress, the first bill that this president is going to send is, uh, is to, um, to codify Roe. Right. That's that's what she said. So he says, OK, how many votes is is enough votes? Oh, I can't talk about that. Well, you raised the hypothetical KJP. And then he says, OK, so if there's not enough votes in Congress and I'm paraphrasing, right, just to make it clear for our audience, because she's never very clear. Um, the uh, the if there's not enough votes in Congress, what will be the first bill that he sends? Well, there's too many hypotheticals in that. And I, I can't talk about politics. Seriously. So then this this next cut that I want you guys that I want you guys to read is keep in mind, right? Hatch Act. Any any activity aimed at the success or failure of a political party is prohibited for KJP because she is standing in a federal building, is a part of her federal office, speaking as the White House press secretary. This appears to me to be open campaigning. Let's go ahead and play the next one. Yeah, post in the comments if you when you hear it. Also, just follow up. Um, he has been doing less travel than, for example, what we saw President Obama do in the the uh, first in October of 2010. Can you give anything about the schedule? Anything that may be coming up? Any stops he may be doing? Well, we announced that he's, he, as you know, he's going to go to Pennsylvania on Thursday. He's going to go to Florida on November 1st. Uh, there will be more travel to come. Certainly not going to get ahead of, of any announcements uh, from here. Uh, but again, the president, as you know, and we have said this many times before, he enjoys getting out there. He enjoys talking to the American people. This is something that he wants to continue to do. And we have something to talk about, right? We have some uh, successes, some wins uh, to talk about. And I just laid them out, the Infl Inflation Reduction Act and the lower cost uh, for uh, for healthcare costs for American people, it's going to lower uh, costs for our seniors. As we talk about Medicare, it's going to lo lower energy costs. These are real wins uh, that we have delivered for the American people. That congressional Democrats have delivered for the American congressional people. Congressional Democrats, Where Republicans, their plan, their plan is to take that away. How they dare want, you? They want to take away lowering costs on healthcare. They want to take away lowering costs on energy. And so, what the president's going to continue to do is figure out how he's going to deliver for what matters the most for the American people. Ah, just so close. So Almost what do you guys think? Tell us in the chats. What do you think? Is that a campaign? So, well, congressional Democrats have delivered the Inflation Reduction Act, the American Rescue Plan, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
they've delivered all of these things and Republicans want to take it away. Republicans want to bring us backwards. Republicans want to do this and that. I have no love loss for Democrats or Republicans. I am a proudly unaffiliated voter and I am wholly against the uniparty cartel. But that is actively campaigning for a political party from the podium. Am I wrong? No, they literally, you guys understand this, the significance of this. They are in such bad shape and everything failing, the polls, they know that they're losing the same uh, media narratives that they've been pushing for so long are just failing to do it. They're failing to move anybody. So they have the White House press secretary, whether she meant to or not, actively campaigning for Democrats. And yeah, and also just this is an aside, not not directly, well, sort of directly related, but you know, in light of this new poll, this poll that's come out from uh, from the New York Times saying that Democrats are with about seventeen percent of the population, they're trotting out uh, former President Obama now, and he's going to be joining candidates on the campaign trail because they feel like, okay, well, we got to go back to the to the point when Democrats were super popular. Um, that's Obama, right? Although I think a lot of Americans see o- the Obama administration. Obama is what woke me up, right? I mean, Ivan and Joe last night were talking about the moments that they woke up. I woke up to the Uniparty cartel and left the Republican Party in 2011, right before that second term election when the Republican Party destroyed the campaign of Michelle Bachman, got in with her staffers and used her staffers against her. Um, and I saw it right. And back then the tea party was saying, <laughs> tea party was saying, we're going to get them in the next election. All we have to do is vote guys. All we have to do is vote for Republicans. Just vote R and we'll get them in the next election. That Mitch McConnell, we're going to get rid of him in the next election. That was 2011. It's 2022. And Mitch McConnell is still there. It is a farce. And, uh, so they, they want to pull out, pull out, uh, Barack to go try and make Democrats look more popular. Um, I don't, I personally don't think it works, but we're gonna have to like look at, why does this matter? Why does it matter if KJP is openly campaigning? Well, first of all, it's the law. Of course, the law doesn't mean anything to the uniparty establishment. They break the law all the time, but it matters because it is an asymmetrical advantage. If you could put up B6, why does, this matter well the the white house press secretary campaigning from the podium provides democrats with an asymmetrical advantage in the coming election making promises of what this president will do if democrats get enough votes in the legislature affects every congressional race in the country they are openly campaigning on abortion right and so when they say if if he gets enough votes we're going to codify roe versus wade into law and he's going to sign it and everything's going to be great you're going to be able to kill kill babies you know up until a year afterwards in case you have uh you know uh second thoughts about having kids um consider the press coverage that the white house gets hordes of reporters follow every move and word and because of the unity of the establishment quickly carry their message around the world. The opposing party has no similar platform or coverage. This is the reason we have the Hatch Act in the first place, so that the incumbent party cannot use the power of the presidency or other government authority to impact the outcome of the election. Of course, addressing the overt Hatch Act violations of this White House press secretary requires someone actually holding her accountable, so it matters, but in reality, it's likely moot. 
<sighs> These people so are losing Zaki, so hard. Uh, they, uh, yeah, Jen Psaki actually received a Hatch Act violation that was candidate related. And again, they seem to think that this only applies to candidate endorsements, right? That that seems to be the position that, that Karine Jean-Pierre has taken on the Hatch Act because she will openly say, I'm restricted by the Hatch Act. I can't talk about that race. I can't talk about his event there because it was a political event. But Republicans need to lose in November. Right. That's that's the line they're drawing. Interestingly, it's not the line that's drawn in the law. The law is very explicit and clear. It says any activity aimed at the success or failure of a political party. Uh, yeah. So good times. I want to uh, I want to talk um, a little bit more. I know. I know. Uh, I know about Kareen. Um, I know it's hard to listen to. I do it every day for you guys. Uh, but I want to talk. I don't see Apollo in the drive um, cut C1, which is the uh, the Peter Ducey exchange. I, I know it's up on our it's Rumble. It's the four minute one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've got it. So we're going to we're going to play it. We're going to pause and talk about it throughout. But this is it's directly related, right? We played the guy asking how many votes are enough. And if you don't get enough votes, what is your number one priority? Peter Ducey digs into this more, and I think it's a really interesting exchange. Let's go ahead and, and start that. Thanks. Thanks, Karine. Following up on something Steve was asking, what is President Biden's top domestic priority now? Is it inflation or is it abortion? The president's going to continue to talk about issues that matter to the American people. and. Abortion is one of them. Majority of the American people uh, disagree with the decision that uh, that the Supreme Court made, the Dobbs decision. That is, a majority of the people uh, disagreed with that. When it comes to the economy, Pause it for a second. the president has made it. The uh, majority of people do disagree with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That polling is pretty clear. The majority of the American people also. Uh, agree with restrictions on late-term abortions and restrictions on abortion in general. They won't tell you that in the legislation that they're talking about. Um, they get into it back and forth, like the, the Women's Reproductive Act that the, the Democrats tried to pass and failed goes way farther than Roe ever went. Um, and they ask her about that. And she says, oh, we're really going to stick with with Roe and we're going to codify Roe into law. Um, but they Democrats across the country. Right. You'll remember they lit up buildings in New York City when they passed abortion up to and including at the moment of birth. Right. They lit up the buildings in pink. They lit up the White House in pink under under these kinds of things uh, under Obama under under abortion legislation this is a demonic agenda this is about child sacrifice um, at either the altar of Malek or if that's a st bridge too far for you the altar of convenience um, either way it's it's Satan uh, but well again they're, is, they're running on a campaign that is based in human rights includes ending human life exactly. That's well said. That's exactly it. And and ending human life up to and including the moment of birth. Right. And let's not forget the story that we covered. I think it was last week. I think it was a fun Friday. It might have been the one before that. They now say that babies know their their alternate gender in the womb. Right. Babies. It seems it's seemingly from the womb that this little boy knows that he's a girl. 
really? Because I thought that wasn't a human inside the womb. They don't care about their, they don't care to make the distinction and they have no problem with the hypocrisy um, and with the contradiction in, in, in concepts that they have. They just keep pushing abortion up to and including the moment of birth, which is in my opinion, satanic. Go well, ahead and this play. was in this was in like one week of them of uh, Stacey Abrams coming out and saying heartbeats, you know, not not science. Uh, but but then they still want to run with this narrative that like what science they're basing the fact that a baby knows its gender in the womb uh, very early in, in its life. Everything about that is completely ridiculous. Number one, and it's you mentioned Obama. It's why they're running him out in Michigan because maybe these little demon witches in Michigan may be doing absolutely everything you can to lie to, the, uh, to your constituents and cover up the blatant election fraud, which is highlighted in your state in many ways, and then running on a platform of abortions up until the moment of birth. Maybe that doesn't hit the same way anymore, especially given that New York Times, uh, you know, some of those bits that we covered regarding people who are actually for abortion and still are not going to make a decision uh, when they vote in November based off of that because the country is melting down and it's not really affecting them that much. But yeah, yeah. my, my best friend is a leftist. I've written uh, about her several times. I call her bestie, the lefty. Um, she is absolutely my best friend. We knew each other before we kind of really solidified our political positions. But I, I talked to her about this back when it was, uh, when the New York law was passed. And I said, so a baby coming through the birth canal, a crowning, right? A baby crowning, and this was, I think, back around the time of the um, the Ralph Northam. You know, we'll we'll set the baby aside and, and have a conversation about what we want to do with it. Thing, uh, the Virginia governor. Um, the she she was horrified. I don't think, and she's as far left as you can get, right? I mean, there's there's no dissent. She was horrified that somebody would murder a crowning child, or that you would have birth a living, healthy baby. And set it aside and decide whether or not you can kill it. There are there are not many people who support this, right? They get them on the narrative of Republicans want to take your rights away and they want to make it so you have to go back into the back alley and use a coat hanger for an abortion. It's nonsense. Um, Eric Swalwell came out with an ad. Uh, I don't know if we can find if we can find that we should play it. Producer Zach, try to find that uh, Eric Swalwell ad about women getting <laughs> arrested for. Uh, for having an abortion it is um there it's fear right it's more fear porn it's if if you don't vote for democrats then you're gonna have to go into a back alley and use a coat hanger to have an abortion uh you know and and women's won't have rights anymore and if you have had an abortion in the past you're going to be arrested and all of these things none of which are true none of which are being proposed in legislation i think the most uh the the most um aggressive legislation on this topic goes after the doctors, right? I don't know anywhere that that legislators are proposing women being criminalized for having an abortion in the past or even in the future, but they're preying on the fear because they don't have anything else. All they have is abortion because the record of this administration and of Democrats more broadly has been an absolute abysmal disaster for the American people. So all they have is fear. And abortion is the, the, their winning topic, I guess. They, they think they're going to win on this issue. But as I said, 
Yes, Americans polling shows that they disagree with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but it also shows that Americans overwhelmingly support restrictions on abortion, particularly when the child is viable outside of the womb. Well, and think right, about think about just real quick. Think about what they're actually portraying, and this this just betrays how much they've been able to twist reality uh, in the minds of Americans because they, they'll refer to legislation that. Uh, you know, that may penalize doctors or charge them with something for ending the life of a child. And they consider that extreme compared to actually uh, ending the life of a child in legislation, which allows you to do that based out of convenience. And now what yep. we're seeing with these polls is that suddenly people are starting to realize that this perceived future hardship of having to carry a man's child and be a slave to childbirth, however they spin it, suddenly that doesn't matter so much when people are actually suffering because the policies of the Democrats right. and the radical left have destroyed anyone's ability to actually maintain a, a normal livelihood or provide for their families. But yeah, we'll keep going. Absolutely. Here. Very, very clear. When it comes to inflation, it is the, his number one economic priority. And he is doing everything that he can to make sure that what? we lower prices Anything for the American people. It's his number one economic priority. We've heard the president say inflation is his top domestic priority. But now he's saying come next year, his first bill would be abortion related. So is his number one domestic priority abortion or is it inflation? Well, let's not forget what the president has done the last 19 months. He has made the economy his top priority. He has passed the American Rescue Plan, by, by the way, as you heard me say all the time, no Republicans voted for that in Congress. And it was a plan that helped us get back on our feet with the economy, that helped us gain or uh, create 10 million jobs uh, that we had lost. Uh, it also put money in people's pockets. It also made sure that uh, businesses were, uh, were, uh, were able to open up, schools were able to open up. People were able to go back into their homes, save their homes. And so that was the American Rescue Plan. That's the bipartisan infrastructure legislation, which was, again, to invest in ports, invest uh, in the infrastructure that was dwindling. And so that is something that he did. The Infl Inflation Reduction Act, that is lowering cost for the American people. He is working on the economy every day. I just announced yesterday, or we just announced yesterday, hearing aids. 30 million people are going to benefit from hearing aids, saving thousands of dollars a year. So that's working on the economy every day. So he said he's been working on the economy every day for 19 months. Now Bloomberg economists are forecasting a 100% chance of a recession. So how is it that we can be barreling towards a recession uh, and the economy is, as the president says, strong as hell? So here's the thing about the economy, and I've said this many times. You've heard this from Secretary Yellen. You've heard this from Brian Deese, who runs our economic council, is that what we are seeing right now is the job market is strong. The labor force is strong. Really? And that is not yep. what we see usually before uh, before a recession. And so the before. a lot of that is because of we're the in work a recession. that the president has done. According we, to we all definitions of recession prior to this administration, uh, we're in one. We're seeing an economy uh, that is going through to into a transition uh, with more stable growth, more st steady growth. And that is because of the work that this president has done. That is because of the economic... We 
policy that he has put forward. And let me remind you, the economic policy that he's put forward is about building the economy from the bottom to, to uh, from the bottom to the top and the middle out. And that is so important because it means that we leave no one behind. It means that there's equity in everything that he uh, puts forward. Equity and so, in again, everything you're that he hear puts from the forward. President about gas prices. That's again wow. trying to make sure that we continue to keep prices low for the American and people. Last one, just if President Biden keeps going to the petroleum reserves when there are energy problems, is he giving up on his campaign pledge to end fossil fuel? So I want to be very clear on that piece. Um, you know, there is time. no shortage of opportunity or incentive for oil companies to ramp up production. We've made that clear. Oil companies are ranking in record profits, as we have seen. They have showed it themselves. We've seen it ourselves, while more than 9,000 approved drilling permits remain untapped by the oil industry. At the same time, U.S. oil production is up and on track to reach a record high this year. Again, a record high. In fact, the United States has produced more oil in President Biden's first year uh, than under the Trump administration's first year. Okay, we're going to move on. Yeah, well, All please right, move so on. Listen to what she said there at the end. The, the Biden administration has produced oil, uh, more oil in their first year than the Trump administration in their first year. Well, in the first year of the Biden administration, they're benefiting from the Trump administration policy, right? They're benefiting from the oil leases that went out, which President Biden has rolled back and has limited. Uh, the oil production that's happening now uh, and, and, and up to this point in America is a direct result of the Trump administration's policy. And Biden's policy has been in the opposite direction. And that is why the Americans are feeling the pain. But they just gaslight, right? They just get up there and they say, uh, you know. They say whatever they, they want. They say, they say whatever they want. Excellent point. Um, so I put this on my Telegram last night. I was going to write another piece about it, but... Uh, was 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 a little too tired at that point but um this i i love i love this uh here i'm gonna send this to you so you can get this up for the people because yesterday during the um and remember we do have an excellent sponsor of the show and that is air medcare network so today's podcast is again sponsored by air medcare network and if you live in a rural area that's hard to reach by road or if you like to hike or spend a lot of time outdoors or do uh, you know dangerous things like some of us like to do that may require some emergency medical attention, we all want to make sure that our family is protected in a medical emergency uh, and health insurance will not always cover the cost of an emergency medical flight if, in fact, you do need one. But with Air MedCare Network, you are covered. For as little as $85 a year, not only you, but your entire household will be covered in case you ever need air medical transport. Uh, this is a super, super good deal, very low cost, and it's insurance that if you need it, you do want to make sure that you have it. I know people personally who have had to cover those costs, and believe me, they are very expensive. So simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily. Receive up to a $50 Visa gift card back when you sign up today. That's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and promo code is daily. Go check them out. There. 
uh, yesterday during the press conference, she was asked about this because they have come out and they're demonizing gas companies, right? That's their, their it's, it's Putin's price hike and Putin's war, Putin's brutal war. She says that over and over and over and over again. That is a talking point they really want people to understand is that gas prices, Putin's fault. Or gas prices are oil companies' fault. They're definitely not the Biden administration's fault and the policy of this federal government that's not had an impact at all. It's either Putin or oil companies, those horrible, evil oil companies. So throw up that picture that I just sent you, if you could. This is a, a, a clip from the, the press secretary yesterday question. Thanks, Corrine. So the FTC so far has found no signs of wrongdoing for price gouging within oil companies. So I'm wondering why the president still continues that narrative. KJP, because we're seeing it from the chart. So the White House put up a chart that shows that oil companies have a 60 cent profit on uh, on gas, right? Um, on gasoline. It says oil companies were able to do it before. As I just stated to Peter, we're seeing a 60 cent gap between where their profit are and what people are paying at the pump. And so they can pull it down. They can bring it down. They've done it before. First of all, I don't understand how the White House is calculating the production and supply chain costs of oil companies, right? At a minimum, they would take their most recent tax filings and understand what their cost is there, but inflation has infected, has affected every part of the economy. And so the Biden administration has absolutely no idea what the cost of oil companies are, unless the oil companies have told them, and as she said further in that, uh, in, in that press conference, they're not talking to the oil executives. Somebody asked her, has Biden been talking to these oil executives about getting prices down? And she basically said, well, when he goes out and he gives public comments, we know they're listening. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Right. It's the same thing to go out and demonize oil company executives on the stump and, and to actually sit down and have a conversation with them. Right. But they equate them because they're not going to talk to oil company. Another person asked, um, why should oil company executives listen to Biden when he's trying to put them out of business? And she's like, why is he trying to put them out of business? Uh, because he's promised to end fossil fuels, right? So I mean, that's like, a pretty explicit statement, oh, right? <laughs> you can't super, get out of super that. Super explicit. Super explicit. But it's just gaslighting. It's Putin's fault or it's oil companies getting a profit, right? And a 60 cent profit. I don't believe her, right? When she says, look at the chart, and they put up a chart. They had a chart that the White House made. And so it's on the chart. So it must be true. Right. The White House made a chart that said oil company executives are making 60 cents on every single gallon of gasoline. Um, we really got to you know, go after the oil company executives. I have an idea. How about we look at the taxes that are put into every gallon of gasoline and how much taxes the American people are paying in blue states? You know, just I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, how, maybe we should maybe we should get rid of those to get the price down. But no, it's the people that are actually refining and producing the gasoline that are, you know, demonized for making a profit. Biden actually came out in a speech and said, bring it down to what you pay. He told the oil companies to bring it down to reflect their costs. So now profits in general are demonized. Now you're not allowed to make a profit. And, and what do oil companies do with those profits? They reinvest. 
more often than not, they reinvest. They reinvest in machinery. They reinvest in process. They reinvest in new refineries. But so you're saying they, do, they do the same thing that most uh, people who want to grow a business that maybe they put in sweat equity and their own money and time into to build the same thing that was destroyed over the last several years by everything about this radical left administration. You're saying that oil companies might do the same thing and that demonizing everything about profits is not the best way to lead a free nation? Absolutely. But also, why would oil companies want to reinvest in their infrastructure and, and their processes and fossil fuels at a time when this administration and the government at large has said that they're going to end that industry? Which in and of itself is really stupid because Biden himself is demonizing Saudi Arabia for cutting production. Right. So are fossil fuels bad or are they not? Is it that we want to get off gas or we just want Americans not to produce their own oil and, and refine their own gasoline? We have to continue to get it from U.S. enemies, adversaries. There's no coherent foreign policy. There's no coherent domestic policy from this administration because they're managing, allegedly, my opinion, managing our decline and bringing America to its knees. That is their point. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, all right, so, so I want to move on. I know we're over time, but I, I do want to get to the if it's okay, Mr. Producer Apollo. <laughs> if it's okay, I would like to get to these last two stories because um, this this Sienna poll we haven't touched. I don't think we haven't touched on this piece of the data yet on the so show. Well, hold on, before we get to that, yeah. uh, there, I want to go through a couple of these stories real quick because uh, sure. I, I think it all cues it up. So number one, you know, we talked about. <laughs> we mentioned this uh, racist exchange and uh you know regarding that little child that you know the la times likes to pretend is all of a sudden just a very acceptable display of frustrations uh but just to, just sorry just everybody just remember sitting democrat elected officials compared a happy rambunctious little black boy with two gay dads, white gay dads, compared him to an animal, compared him to a monkey, and said he needed to be taken out back and beaten because he didn't have any manners. Because he, I mean, he was on a parade float. You're not allowed to have fun there. Um, that's the story that Apollo is referring to. Just want to make sure that Correct. that's crystal clear for the audience. Correct. And so we've spoken several times about fetter man, fetter woman, whatever they are, uh, fetter thing. And uh, he is now, God bless his soul, and we all, uh, you know, I, I, I truly do feel bad that he did have a stroke. But uh, because they just love to continue to push completely unacceptable, unfit candidates down the throats of the American people, uh, <laughs> this is now news. Fetterman's latest post-stroke medical report clears him for full duty in public office. I kid you not, you guys. So, According to the doctor they bought. Oh, well, look at, look at what they actually say in this article, though. He visited and had an updated medical report from October 14th from his doctor. In the report, Clifford Shen stated Fetterman is recovering well from his stroke and his health has continued to improve, and I'm glad for that, for Fetterman's sake, adding that he has no work restrictions and can work full duty in public office. He announced he as had a stroke. As long as internet to connect to his device that allows him to understand what's happening around him. Yeah, he's now the, he's a Terminator now, I guess. He acknowledged yes. that he still suffers from lingering auditory processing issue, has requested the use of closed captions during recent interviews. 
you know, we've we've uh, <laughs> discussed some of that. According to Shen's report, Fetterman spoke intelligently without cognitive deficits. Uh, I'll ask you to do, uh, you know, cast your own judgments a, on that. That's His a speech, low bar. Can you it's say a pretty that low again? bar. Sorry, say it again. Yeah, he spoke intelligently without cognitive dis without cognitive. Uh, <laughs> deficits just ask yourself real quick is that is that the standard for uh the standard in the first place you is spoke, that the standard first of all first of all first of all speaking intelligently that's a subjective statement because they probably say that kjp speaks intelligently and i think she's a moron right um so spoke intelligently without cognitive deficits but they don't say whether or not he was using assistive device during that well, he goes on to say his speech was normal and continues to exhibit symptoms of process of an auditory processing disorder, which can come across as hearing difficulty. Chen's report stated he will occasionally miss words in a way that will appear as if he hasn't heard them, but his hearing for things such as music is also unaffected. Okay, so he still can't understand English, but he can listen to music listen fine. To music. He still can He's literally telling you in this report that the dude still can't really understand English. He, he cannot really truly function. And it's, this is not about Fetterman, Fetterman whatever, whatever he is, uh, unacceptable because he's not our person. It's not about that. Y you can't continue to push something like this. The people are not buying this, and it's, it's becoming an issue because he's not fit to serve in office. Where, I, I feel bad that he had a stroke. I wish him, yeah, I wish him well. If he, I hope he recovers. I truly do. It's tragic that something like that happened, especially given the timing that he's campaigning, whether or not he's a good candidate or he's actually fit in the first place. We're, you know, irrelevant of, of some kind of cognitive impairment. But he's not fit to serve. Just like the person we see on TV as Biden is not fit to serve in intellectual capacity and cognitive ability as the president of the United States, nor is someone like Fetterman capable of serving in that office as an elected representative of the American people. That is the entire issue. So the fact that they're to trying that point, to play this out is, well, the doctor said he's better. He still can't really, you know, hear things, but he's doing better, so no, he's cleared. No, hearing is unaffected. It just appears like he can't hear oh. because he can't process. Like it appears that there was election fraud. Right. Like um, it on appears. That point, we're going to see both of them today. So Biden and uh, and it, Fetterman will be joined. Fetterwoman will be joining Biden um, on the stump in Pennsylvania today. They've announced that, although they haven't announced the the details um, of when and if he'll be there for all of the events. But I and I know I've made this joke before. It's terribly insensitive. I don't care. Um, can you imagine? Biden and Fetterman having a conversation and particularly the cognitive assistive device that uh, that translates for Fetterman trying to translate Biden. I mean, I, I can't I can't with my functional brain. I can't translate yeah. Biden. I, I exactly. That's my point. Right. So I, I feel like that would be an amazing like. It would be the kind of thing to sit down in a studio with the, you know, the big lights and, and the full production quality and value and see what happens, right? If we had like real media, that's what we would do is we'd be like, hey, let's see if this assistive device can actually translate the bumbling uh, dementia patient that's sitting in the White House and see if they can have a conversation. They certainly cannot have a conversation without assistive technology.
And that tells you everything that you need to know, particularly about Democrats who are more than eager to put in the U.S. Senate somebody who does not understand language and has lingering auditory processing. That means the stuff the guy hears, his brain struggles to process it. So he needs to actually read it on subtitles because it's not a hearing issue, right? His hearing is fine. He can listen to music. I'm sure he dances and it's beautiful. Um, his hearing is fine. His processing inside of his brain is not fine. And Democrats are more than eager to put him in office as opposed to the Republican candidate, right? They will put somebody in the U.S. Senate who has cognitive deficits rather than losing an election that tells you everything that you need to know about well, them. Well, and Mountain Princess, good comment. They all think Biden has basic cognitive function, so it's not surprising. Absolutely right, because it's not about them getting a candidate who can serve the office well. It's about having their person in there who will just go, oh, this issue? Yes. I support this. Pass what that's all it is. It's the cabal being able to funnel their, you know, whatever agenda they want into their controlled little minion. And so they don't care if he can fake. They don't care if Biden can speak. They don't care if he knows what day it is. They don't care. They just want him to go on camera and then pretend to sign an executive order that they pretend and they expect the American people to think that he has any clue what it says. If that is in right. fact Biden. Another story I thought was a little bit funny. From 100% fed up out of Michigan, <laughs> a dead dog receives registered to vote by mail application. <laughs> and uh, this is actually pretty funny. So <laughs> the Democratic Party paid to send this application, which went to a dead dog. <laughs> Can't make this one up. Uh, here's the... The dog's <laughs> not even alive. They, they're not even sending it to living dogs. Dead voters has now evolved, you guys. It's not... This isn't not even dogs. dead people. These are dead dogs now that they want to vote. Inside the envelope, an invitation for Center for Voter Information was addressed to Dear Ruby. Scrawled across <laughs> the invitation by the Michigan Democratic Party to register to vote by mail is a message probably from a Democrat or someone who's angry at Republicans because of the news. Check this out, you guys. <laughs> Ruby is a, <laughs> a dog, dog and deceased. The homeowner writes, and then <laughs> please correct before the Republicans find out and have, have an infantile meltdown. They wrote. So this so this is a Democrat person who says, who wants, please make sure that the, the Republicans don't find out you sent a, a voter registration ballot, or is it a ballot or a registration document? It's a, it's uh, an application to vote by mail. It's right, a vote so by mail application. Before Republicans find out that you sent an application to vote for my dead dog, please correct please, this. Please that fix person, this. These are, these, these are people who, these are the... These are the people who still support Democrats, right? Who still believe the establishment narrative, who still support the Uniparty. People who say, hey, we know this was a mistake. We totally trust you. Um, you sent this this application to, to register to vote. You sent it to my dead dog. I don't want anybody to find out because I'm sure it was just a mistake. I wonder how many of the 31,000 uh, registration postcards that Jenna just sent out in Colorado, I wonder how many of those went to dead pets. I that is an excellent question. I would really like to know that. But uh, last yeah. story because again, this is uh, 
I, I love talking about Katie Hobbs because she makes it too easy. This is your last story. I still have two more. Yeah, this is the last <laughs> thing. I know, I know. Um, I want to talk about this before we get into the poll because it exemplifies why their narrative is failing. Uh, <laughs> so this made me laugh. Uh, Katie Hobbs, do re- voter registration error. Hold on. Error. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Affects up to 6,000 Arizona voters. Approximately 1,000 receive mail ballot without local races. Katie Hobbs announced that her office wow. made an error in the November 8 general election, which removed local and state races from some voters' ballots. As many as 6,000 were incorrectly flagged as not having proof of citizenship, designating them as federal-only voters who may receive a federal ballot. I'll let you unpack uh, what I just said uh separate from this particular issue federal only ballots do not contain local races it's unclear how many republican Kerry lake voters were affected uh if a voter uses ballot it would be sequestered they will vote a second time on a full ballot okay so they'll vote a second time uh again not gonna for time's sake get into the citizenship issue that they mentioned uh but this is after Katie Hobbs hid in a bathroom. This is after she refused to debate Carrie Lake. Do you have any questions why she might not want to debate something? This just adds to a complete abysmal display of failure by mm-hmm. the government in Arizona and by Carrie or by uh, Katie Hobbs. And you know, again, she recently said Donald Trump has made it abundantly clear he's more interested in pandering to his neo-Nazi base. There goes neo-Nazi again than being a president of all Americans. Yeah, this was an old old tweet from her. Scroll back up for a second, because I think the Carrie Lake quote nails it. Katie Hobbs needs to get her butt back in the office, open the doors, and do the business of the people, and she needs to recuse herself from anything involving this election. Let's face it, when she called half of the voters neo-Nazis, that that tells you that she doesn't really care to look evenly and equally at voters. Her behavior, and again whoopsie it was a mistake it's amazing isn't it how all of these uh democrat secretaries of state the same democrat secretaries of state who are uh the the safest and most secure election in history brigade the ones that are out there with the election denialism narrative most ardently are making all these mistakes Right. They're making these these whoopsies. And I agree with Carrie Lake. Katie Hobbs needs to recuse herself. The fact that she will not. The, first of all, the fact that she meddled in and obstructed the Maricopa audit, the fact that she will not debate her opponent. And now she's removed her and her opponent's race from a ballot. Whoopsie. It was an accident. Sure. I, I almost believe you. I don't. I don't believe you, Katie. Hobbs. Well, again, same thing um, with Jenna Griswold. The people of Arizona need to demand that she recuses herself from this election. Yeah. So everyone in Arizona, I believe, have gotten the message. They're going to show up and vote. But she tweeted yesterday, they're reviewing approximately 6,000 voter records to confirm they are correctly registered and will receive a full ballot if they're eligible. This doesn't mean 6,000 voters received the wrong ballot, but if they did, they will receive a correct one shortly. We'll be providing more updates the voters impacted will be contacted. Great. So again, you can't do your job or you're purposely screwing up your job because you are a fraudulent piece of garbage. And this is in the same state, again, that they are now uh, catching on video people who are already going around stuffing ballots and they're covering up their license plates while they do it. There's already, already people are recording video of this because people are stepping in the gap and starting to use 
uh, you know, use the powers that they and have, such as a season. cell phone, to be it's mule season. They are now documenting sightings of mules in the wild, and yeah, they are jumping on and using a cell phone to be a citizen journalist. So well done, people. <laughs> Keep that up. Keep that stuff up. And when you go in and vote, I would just while you're standing in line, go through all the videos, all the pictures that you've taken of the mules in the wild, and just you know reminisce over the fun memories that we've all had as we vote out these pieces of trash. So it's important to keep all of this stuff in mind as you consider, you know, the the narrative, right? And it's very important for our audience to tune into the narrative. If you I don't care if you hear it from a Republican source, a Democrat source, mainstream media, alt media, if you hear it from us, if you hear it from, you know, whomever, I, I don't care check into it, pay attention to the language that's used, pay attention to the word choices, because you are we are in an information war and you're being manipulated with language, right? You're being manipulated with this, this gaslight narrative that they keep putting out. I'm really, really interested. So I'll give you like a quick, I wanna be on record. I'm gonna, you know, timestamp this, save it, keep it for the future. I believe that they are going to let Pam Anderson win the Secretary of State election in Colorado. I think Jenna's going to go become an ambassador or something, and they'll take her out of the public spotlight for a little while. Polis will continue to win. They will be able to say then, oh, how can you say that the elections are rigged because a Republican won? Pam Anderson is a Republican. She is also Zuckerbuck's. She's the executive director of Zuckerbucks, right? And so I think the Denver Post, the, for, for non-Colorado audiences, this is significant, just trust me on this. The Denver Post came out and endorsed Pam Anderson. Uh, to me, that's it. They're going to let Pam Anderson win. It helps them out on the narrative about election fraud. It gets Jenna out of the way. They'll, they'll take her out of the spotlight, send her to some foreign land for a little while, and then bring her back for higher office uh, in the future. That's my estimate, right? That's my election prediction on the Secretary of State race. I personally will be voting for either the American Constitutional Party or the Libertarian Party candidate. I will not vote for either of them. I personally want Jenna out of the two choices, right, out of Pam Anderson or Jenna Griswold, I want Jenna Griswold in office because we're real close to being able to arrest her, I think, uh, allegedly, right, my opinion. Um, she has she has done so many things that are contrary to the will of the people. She's violated her oath, in my opinion, several times. And so um, I would really like for her to be in office when she's finally held accountable. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more powerful that way um but pam anderson jenna griswold is not a real choice right you're still you're still getting the election fraud denying establishment you're getting fraud deniers who think that we have the safest and most secure elections in history and that there's no problems no meddling um so i want everybody to keep in mind the narrative it's very very important to pay attention to the the language that you're being given from whatever source and and really critically think about what you're being told, right? Let's go to this next uh, this next piece here. I'm gonna say it is D one. The D one. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the Siena poll, right? We've talked about the 68% of people who believe that government corruption is our biggest problem, and 17% of people who align with the establishment narrative. This is from a different article than the, the one that we've spotlighted so far. Still on the Siena poll, still New York Times, different article. 
71% of Republicans say they would be comfortable voting for a candidate who thought that 2020's election was stolen, as did 37% of independent voters and a notable 12% of Democrats. Even among voters who think Mr. Biden won legitimately, 19% were comfortable casting a ballot for a candidate who believed the election was stolen including 10% of Democrats, 22% of independents, and 43% of Republicans who believe that the election was fair, the 2020 election was fair. This also, voters also signaled a bipartisan willingness to support a president who goes outside of existing rules. A third, including similar shares in both parties, said presidents should do what they think is best, even if it might flout the rules. 26% of voters said that they had heard about 2,000 Mules. This is my favorite part. A widely debunked movie purporting to show that absentee ballots were stuffed in drop boxes to help Democrats in 2020. Of those who had heard about, who had heard about the film, 34% found it believable, 45% said they didn't know enough to say, and just 2% of Republicans who had heard about the movie found it to not be believable. They've lost the narrative on the election. That is what this tells us. You can pull it down. So even 30%, 37% of independents and 12% of Democrats, that's a significant number of people who would consider voting for somebody who says that they remember the New York Times narrative is election denialism and MAGA Republicans are the greatest threats to democracy. They are the greatest problems that we face as a, as, as a nation. The election denialism movement is the greatest threat to democracy. Only the voters don't agree with them. The voters don't believe them. They are in their little elitist globalist bubble. And that is what we're seeing from these uh, results. And so when we think about uh, how they're going to spin this narrative. Again, I'm really surprised that the New York Times has actually put this data out there because when they ultimately steal the November election, and I firmly 100% believe that our elections are rigged, uh, and that is my opinion, and I, you know, know that the the establishment will, con you know, accuse me of misinformation and disinformation. I don't care. Um, it is based on data and evidence and based on everything that I've seen for the past two years of looking into our elections, I believe that they're rigged. But when they rig them with, for example, you know, allowing Pam Anderson to win while keeping Polis and Wiser in the executive or something, again, that's my prediction. It's not a fact, right? That's what I believe we're going to see happen. Just like I said before Katie Hobbs's election, I'm pretty sure they're going to allow her to win her primary so that they can steal her general because she had an injunction lawsuit in play. And after she won the primary, they threw out the injunction. What I said before that election was, hey, they're going to let her win the primary so they can throw out the injunction <laughs> and steal the general. Um, but that is going to be very, very interesting, given what we've seen now with this polling data. Right. And well, given keep that in mind. the American largely are not with this narrative about election denialism well that and then also you know going back to us talking about all these abortion narratives they still want to throw you have kjp uh trying to very poorly run you know play both sides of this issue but i'll use uh you know again michigan they have, they're running prop three they're still running on this because it's one of the only things they can pretend to claim uh in any way that they've delivered on in 
in like reality in real life, unlike the economy, gas prices, anything like that. But they had an 18 point swing in independent women. I mean, the, these types of policies these are these are targeted at Democrats, at females and beta men who want to go along with these because they don't want to offend women by saying maybe we shouldn't uh, maybe we shouldn't murder children, and they're afraid to say that because they're I'm not going to swear, uh, but they're they're basically little cucks. Just as they watch their country stolen and they won't speak up for all the other atrocities that happen, uh, they say, okay, well, women are getting really aggressive and say, we have to have abortion and you're an evil man if you don't agree with it. So they go along with it. It's targeted at betas and females, and females are overwhelmingly saying, ah, I don't really care anymore because life is getting too hard right now. Right. Like everything about this narrative is gone. Yeah, and even the abortion, even abortion is not as important as inflation, right? You read that quote from the other Siena Poll article where the, they're like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm really, a, I'm really sad about Roe versus Wade, but it doesn't really affect me all that much. And, you know, inflation and cost is terrible right now. So I'm open to voting for change. They've lost the narrative. They've lost the support of the American people broadly, right? 68% disagree with them on the greatest threats to democracy and uh, you know, significant portions of independent and Democrats are open to alternate candidates, even candidates that they've spent two years demonizing. Yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. It is, it is, but we're over time. I wanna make sure that we talk about the facts blast because it's really important. Uh, so again, we're talking about the election. We're coming right up on the midterms and we now have proven Chinese election hacking. If uh, you've read and paid attention they still want to play games about this, but it's time to abolish election voting equipment. So, Ash, you want to take this? Yeah. So this is, you know, based on the show that we did yesterday morning with uh, with CanCon about the the new Conic um, new Conic revelations. And I got this. I get And Magazine in my, uh, you know, I, I think it's you know relative a relatively balanced take. Um, but, uh, the, the, the Siena poll was taken amid the revelations of Conex Chinese influence into us elections. Sam Faddis at and magazine had the best take quote. I do a lot of speaking on election integrity. I say frequently while there are endless problems with security of our elections, I don't believe the Chinese hacked the 2020 election. Maybe I was wrong. So he goes through and he talks about the New York Times multiple articles and how they had to, you know, correct the record very embarrassingly like the next day. And then says, it has gotten much worse since then. Konek wasn't just storing data in China. They were using contractors inside of China to do the work in the United States on American election systems. This is the exact language in the criminal complaint filed by Los Angeles. This is why this is being covered, because this isn't somebody's opinion. This isn't something that an in, that an independent investigation of American citizens with the skill sets, which we've seen over and over again. This isn't that. This is the L.A. County D.A. And this is what it says in their criminal complaint, quote, on or about October 10th, 2019 through October 4th, 2022, Eugene Yu and other employees at Conic Inc. were providing these services to Los Angeles County using third party contractors based in China. Conic employees known and unknown sent personal identifying information of Los Angeles County election workers to third party software developers who assisted in creating and fixing Conic's internal poll chief software. That's the official, end quote, that's the official legal language from the criminal campaign. 
complaint. I'll be over with the election deniers awaiting our apologies. And so this is the facts today. And honestly, you guys, I don't care if you use our system, but you need to be communicating. Pull this down for a second because I want to go real quickly in defense of discourse. Right. So I've been thinking about this a lot because I get, you know, I, I post the link to the facts class and I get people say, you know, what have you been living under a rock? You think that communicating with Congress is going to actually make any difference? I am in fear of the day where discourse no longer matters. Right. When we stop thinking it matters that we use our voice and we raise our grievances and we demand redress, we demand a remedy. That is a very dangerous day in America. Uh, it does matter that we communicate with our elected officials. Again, I don't care if you use our system, but you need to be using your voice. Go in, copy and paste it, send it, edit it. You can edit the, the letter to Congress every single day. If you're a conservative daily member, you can send this at no cost every single day. And you can go back and send every campaign that you missed. We need to be flooding them. Right now, the Congress is not in session. Right. They're going to come back. And when they come back, they're going to be met with thousands upon thousands of notices from their constituents of, hey, this isn't what we want. You're not representing us. Remember your oath. That's on us. The number one thing that we have is to use our voice. And it's it's a dangerous day in America when we think that using our voice no longer matters. This is today's facts. These new revelations about Chinese influence in our elections prove even provide even more evidence that the public should have zero trust in electronic elections. When Congress passed the Help America Vote Act of 2002, you paved the way for the creation of a massive industry focused on helping our elections. What predictably resulted is that American elections are now a for-profit enterprise and it's completely outsourced even to our foreign adversaries, as in this Conex story. That is how you helped America vote. And you still gaslight us that it's safe and secure. This is the moment when you stand in the gap for the American people and demand machine-free elections or you step aside. Elections belong to the people. Abolish electronic voting equipment. We want machine-free midterms. That is our demand for remedy today. And then, of course, their oath. I do sw solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Remember your oath. Chinese actors being involved in our elections is a massive national security issue this requires for you for you to think this is okay means you need to think that that china wants what's best for the american people that china wants uh wants americans to have free and fair and unmanipulated election the same china who uses hongzing if i'm i don't know if i'm saying that right um but this is a Chinese election company that sits on the Konex server. So all of these election officials are telling us, hey, our stuff is in Lansing, Michigan. It's never been hosted in China. Doesn't matter because China is on the same server. So it's not that U.S. election stuff is hosted in China. It is. They've proven that in the L.A. County. But that's also not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is not that U.S. election stuff is in China. It's that China is in Lansing, Michigan, in all of the U.S. election stuff. 
that's the biggest issue that I see with Konic. And you have to believe that this company who in a Chinese language website, Eugene Yu quoted as saying, we at Konic provide, uh, or Yulian, whatever it was, we provide democratic elections with Chinese characteristics. Now, do we think that China, the, the Chinese Communist Party, the authoritarian powers that limit people to one baby, that have baby dying rooms, that are killing Uyghurs, that have um, the most, one of the most oppressive regimes on the planet these days, do we think that they want what's best for U.S. elections? Unless you can honestly and competently say, yes, we cannot use this technology in our elections. It is beyond compromise tell your legislators that today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're out of time, guys. So go. Uh, thank you if you are a member. Make sure that you send your facts. And before we close out, uh, again, we don't know what the future is going to hold, but uh, especially you men, because I know a lot of you women have been doing the work already, make sure that you can't protect your family so you can go to dcfguns.co. It doesn't matter what state you're in. You don't have to be in Colorado. You can use promo code Joe. You'll get 5% off. Uh, make sure that you're armed up. Make sure you have ammo. Make sure that you train and that you have some conversations with your family about how you might respond to something. It's crucially important. Can we play Joe's commercial? Uh, I don't have I time right now. But, oh, we don't uh, have time. Okay. But, uh, again, I want to thank all of you. I know we went over today. Uh, so let's pray. And uh, we'll see you back here at 4 o'clock tonight. So, Father God, I want to thank you for all of the hard work. I want to thank you for patriots like Alfredo, like Alpha Warrior, like Brian Lupo, uh, news like the Gateway Pundit, Breitbart, uh, so many places that are fulfilling the void that now exists in true media for writers like Ash and so many others. I want to thank you for the courage of the American people who are beginning to step forward more and more. And I want to just ask that you continue to fill our hearts with peace, that you continue to allow us to move forward, uh, loving our fellow neighbors, but you give us the strength to do what is necessary. We know full well that in the coming midterms, we are going to see unprecedented levels of subversion, of deceit, and I just pray that you sharpen our senses, uh, sharpen our sight, uh, you know, tune our hearing, and just fill our bodies with the energy so that we are not weary, so that we act swiftly, that we move swiftly when we see lies being spoken, when we see crimes being committed, when we see the agents of the deep state, the agents of the devil moving against the will of the American people, whether it be to steal the election, uh, whether it be to uh, indoctrinate our children, whether it be to rob the rights of Americans, as we saw in Alfredo's case, as we've seen in hundreds and hundreds of J6 defendants. And I ask you to weigh on the hearts of all of the judges, of all of the FBI agents, police officers, that they are guided and swayed by truth and by reason and by justice. And the justice that is in alignment with your law, not the justice of uniform commercial codes, not the justice of this fake establishment of this distraught, completely co-opted legal system that seeks to rob everything from us. I just ask that your law be that which guides the hearts and minds of Americans, whether they be private citizens or they be serving in the American government. And I ask that we are able to move through this period of history peacefully uh, so that all citizens of the world, that we can all enjoy a future and we can avoid bloodshed, we can avoid further division and we can avoid conflict that would only seek to harm the lives of good people. 
I ask that you bring down this deep state and that you give us the tools to do so in alignment with your will and as peacefully as possible. I ask these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you back at 4 o'clock tonight. God bless you. Ash, thanks for being on here again. It's always lovely to see you on camera. Uh, Send your your fax blast today, guys, and we'll see you tonight. If you want to watch Conservative Daily Podcast, we go live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, on Rumble, on Frank's Beach, where we go live on Lindell TV 2 at those same times, on DLive, and now on Odyssey. You can also find our episodes at brighteon.com. Make sure you also check out the link in the description to go to the Brighteon store and prepare you and your family with the awesome storable food and other products that they have there. You can find us on the audio edition at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible, and everywhere else. Make sure you go and give us a five-star review and be that ambassador of truth. Share this episode with everyone who needs to hear it. Text the word FREEDOM to 89517 and we'll shoot you a text message when we're about to go live. Check out the description for our link to the daily newsletter so you get access to the fax blasts. We want to thank you for being a listener of Conservative Daily Podcast as we pursue truth and fight to restore our nation. We will continue to provide you with the most important information that the mainstream media will not show you. Now at conservative-daily.com, you have the option to become a member with us. Each membership option varies in access and discounts in regards to the ability to interact with the daily fax blasts, monthly savings, access to extra content, and interactions with the hosts and guests of the show. Go to conservative-daily.com and become a member right now for as little as $10 a month. Make sure you check out social media and find us everywhere at Conservative Daily and at Joel Oltman. We'll see you next time on Conservative Daily Podcast. It's time to do the hard work. Let's take our country back, patriots. God bless America.